What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and on the other end of the line, as always, is my co-host, Curtis. If you detect a little bit extra excitement in my voice today here as we start, that's because today was Christmas in August for me. Got home, and my season tickets had arrived. One of the best days of the year, so it's been a good week. Fall camp opens, which is always a mile marker for me, and then when I get my tickets, kind of a mile marker day, too, so... Kind of had to celebrate that a little bit, so it's getting here, guys. It is just around the corner. And then this Saturday, we got the open practice. I hope you guys get a chance to make it out to that. Uh, I'm, luckily, I live in Athens, and it's just about a five-minute drive. the weather stays well. Yeah, it, it better freaking stay well, because I got, I got to see this practice, man. And it's kind of weird. Like, this year, like, last year was, like, the second week of practice, so they were kind of more into what was going to be going on this season. So I'm interested to see what's going to be like. This is the first week. It's the first Saturday. They're just going to be in pads pretty recently there, so... Hopefully we'll get to see something worthwhile. Um, I'm sure there'll be some things to take away from it. So all next week, or at least the first show of next week, we'll definitely be breaking down what we saw in case you do not get a chance to make it to Athens. But if you do get a chance and the weather kind of holds off, like Kurt said, definitely try your best to make it up. If you didn't get a chance to make it last year, it's definitely worth your while. You get to see the entire practice. It's That is the definition of open, I guess. Uh, but anyway, to, on today's show, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about fall camp to start with. Not a ton, um, because there's not really a ton of information going on when they're just running around in shorts and helmets. Because we went in pads today. On, we're recording this Wednesday night. So they went in pads today, right, Kurt? I think pad, or uh, shoulder pads. Pads and shorts. Yeah, so. pads and shorts. Not full pads yet. So, I mean, there's, th- there's some things you can take away from it here and there, but not a ton of news yet. But we're going to talk about... Um, Robert Beal and Devontae White here momentarily, but the, the uh, primary purpose of today's show is going to be continuing on with our Summer Scout and the Enemy series, this time focusing on the South Carolina Gamecocks. We are about done with this series, and we've done it the entire summer. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. We're going to do South Carolina. We're going to skip Kentucky because, well, time is running out, and uh, we don't have a ton of, uh, we've got a couple weeks here left, but we got a lot of team stuff we want to do, and um, as uh, fall camp keeps rolling on, we're going to bring a lot of stuff to you. we got some season preview stuff to do overall. So a lot of cool things to bring your way the next couple weeks as the season rapidly approaches. So we're going to do South Carolina today. Uh, we're going to skip Kentucky. I know I, I, I feel really nervous about that. You guys know I'm, if you listen to the show, I'm very superstitious. I feel like that's probably going to make us lose that game, but I'm just going to knock on wood hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but then we'll do Auburn as well. And I don't know. I haven't decided if we're going to do Tech yet. Kurt, should we do Tech? I don't know. I mean, what is there to talk about with Tech? They run the triple option. That's what they do. Okay, just Offensively. Yeah, and defensively, I mean, they there's very there's not a ton of talent over there. But we might talk a little bit about tech, maybe not a full show, but today we will bring you everything you need to know about the South Carolina Gamecocks and discuss how we match up with them at least at this point in the season when no games have been played yet. Uh, before we get there, just a couple quick reminders for you: if you're new to the show, uh, you can check us out on Twitter at glory underscore uga. You can also uh, email us anytime uh, glory. UGA podcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Glory UGA podcast Facebook page. Uh, like us there, interact with us, Twitter, Facebook, email, anytime, guys. Uh, we welcome that interaction. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, uh, the topics we discuss, so feel free anytime. You can also check us out on a variety of podcasting platforms. We're always on Dog Sports Radio. You can also uh, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, the Stitcher, and TuneIn apps. Any uh, likes you give us there, sharing the show would be awesome. Review us. Even if you don't like the show, well, if you don't like the show, you're probably not listening. Or maybe you're just masochist and you like that kind of thing. It's all good. Uh, but whatever, just tell us what you think about the show. That definitely helps us out. We appreciate it. We want the feedback so we can kind of make sure we tailor this show to what you guys want here. Because after all, it is all about you guys. But with that, let's go ahead and move into the main topic of today's show. And that is... 
Actually, well, let's let's hold off on the main topic. Let's talk about Beal and White here just for a quick second, Kurt. Uh, so we get the news. We've been kind of waiting on pins and needles here. Robert Beal is in. Devontae Wyatt, not so much. He's at Hutchinson Community College in Kansas right now. So let's start with the good news. Let's start with Beal. How big is it for us to get Robert Beal on campus right now? Um, I think it's huge because one of the things we've talked about, especially you know coming to recruiting and things, is how little depth we're going to have at the outside linebacker position after this year. With you know the, the, we're losing Lorenzo and Bellamy, they're seniors. It's just how it is. So um, I think getting him in there, getting some reps, and allowing him to get some experience will be huge. Yeah, I mean we have some, we have a few bodies outside of Lorenzo and uh, Davin, but nothing in the, in the way of proven talent. Uh, we've got DeAndre Walker, who's been on campus for a while now. and it, 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 Supposedly, if you look at the roster, he's bulked up to 240 pounds. i be honest with you, even though I live in Athens, I see a lot of these guys around. I have not seen him around recently. I didn't really see him this summer, so I cannot verify that with my own two eyes. But it says 240 pounds, so I'm, that's one guy I'm going to be looking for on Saturday to see if he is indeed up to 240. if he is, that could be really good news. But you're right. I mean, Outside of him, I mean, Chauncey Manack right now looks like his, his body has almost grown into a, a, a defensive line, like a five-tech guy. Uh, he kind of waffles back and forth between outside linebacker and that five-tech defensive end spot. So I don't know if you count him as a true outside linebacker right now. No. Uh, I don't know. He's like a key on. Yeah, his body's kind of growing. He's almost a tweener but, uh, it, between those two spots. So uh, it'd be interesting to kind of see how his body ends up growing in, over the next year or so. Um, and, but who, I mean, right now we moved Jaleel LeGuin's over to the outside linebacker right now. I've actually heard some good returns. He's another guy I'm going to be interested to see at outside linebacker when he's been practicing at inside linebacker for a year plus now. Uh, he's got a great first step. He's very quick. I, I don't know if he's big enough to hold up down and down out of that position, uh, but it'll be interesting to see there. But you're right. Getting Robert Bill really helps because we're going to need all hands on deck to replace Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter next year. And Beal is a big-time recruit. He's a highly talented guy. He's got, he's got great quickness. Uh, he's got a really good motor that he plays with. Uh, you know, he's originally he was played at South Gwinnett. Then he moved over to, to the IMG Academy down there in Bradenton, Florida. So it's great to get him in for depth purposes. He's probably going to play a lot this year, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to be an immediate contributor, more than likely. But for the future, it's big. But, uh, and I tweeted this out last night, as big as it was to get Beal, it's great news. It's awesome news. But man, it hurts not get Devonte Wyatt, right? Yeah. I mean, so what? What? What hurt? Why is that a big loss? Is, was he a guy that's going to play? Like Beals, well, we don't expect him to play a lot this year. Do we expect Wyatt? Did we expect Wyatt to play a lot this year? I probably expect him to play zero. But I think the fact that it's just getting him into the system, getting him, you know, comfortable. I mean, I think he's. I don't even think he'd play much his second year. Um, he'd be sparingly, but you know, we're getting him built for you know probably redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior years. Why and you're exactly right. Um, like, well, some people were not, they weren't up in arms about it, but they were kind of like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. The guy wasn't going to play a lot this year. You're right. He's he was not going to play. You're right. He was going to play zero this year. He wasn't going to play this year. But it's not so much about this year. When I say it hurts to me, it's not so much about what it does to us this year. It's more so what it does to us down the road. Not even not this year. Not even really next year. Next year we should be fine. We had a lot of freshmen that played a lot of snaps for us last year. Trent. If he has the kind of year that we all want him to have, he's probably going to go pro. Uh, but next year, guys like Tyler Clark, Julian Rochester should probably still have Daquan Hawkins, Muckle. Uh, you got Mikhail Carter. You got you got some guys that can play there. Uh, but after that, when we get two three years down the road, the depth is not there. Devontae White, guys, was the only true interior defensive tackle that we signed last year. He was the only one. So in effect, we got zero guys coming in this year at that position. 
Right now, Kurt, how many do we have committed to that position for the 2018 class? Uh, one, zero. Zero. I, I zero true defensive tackles yeah. right now. We have a couple guys that can play the five tech, or we have a guy that can play the five tech and Javon Becton, but we don't have a true interior defensive lineman side right now. Now, I know it's still kind of early. We still have time to sign some of those guys. We're after the guys like Rick Sandage and Jamel Walthour from Liberty County, but our prospects aren't great. With I mean, Walthour, I think we should, we definitely lead for. We should, we'll probably land him. Sandage, there's no guarantee we're going to get Rick Sandage. He's probably the highest rated guy that we at least publicly know that we're after. So it doesn't look great this year on the defensive line in terms of recruiting. And that's I don't know if that's a reflection on Trey Scott. Um, it, it was a weird transition where you get away from Tracy Rocker. He had his board, his guys that he was targeting. Well, well, Trey Scott doesn't necessarily target those same guys. He has his own board, his own group that he wants to go after, and his own evaluation. So, And then when you get in on those guys late, it kind of sets you behind. Uh, so I, we need to get Wyatt. Okay, I, I it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out because there is a, a scenario where he could come on campus in January, but if he's a if the test score comes back and he's a non qualifier, that means he'll have to be in community college for a year and a half. And when they're when they're gone for that long, there's no guarantee they'll end up back on your campus. Now his coach down there in Hutchinson says that he you know he feels strongly he's gonna go to Georgia either in January or a year and a half from now. That's great to say that right now, but you can't guarantee that. You just can't guarantee it at all. So. It's kind of at least mildly concerning for me. It's not going to impact us at all this year, probably not next year, but down the road, if we don't start recruiting better in, the defensive line, in terms of interior defensive linemen, I know we're recruiting great at the skill position and elsewhere on the team, but we've got to find those interior defensive linemen. That can make or break a team. Got to be able to stop the run. So at least slightly concerning for me. All right, well, let's go ahead and move into this preview of South Carolina. And uh, we're going to start, we're going to do, we talk about their offense. We're talk about talk all about their defense. But I want to talk first, Kurt, for a few minutes about the coaching situation at South Carolina, specifically Will Muschamp. You know, obviously, famously gets the job at Florida. Was the head coach here waiting at Texas for a while? Decided he didn't want to wait anymore and got the offer at Tech or at Florida. Ends up taking that job. Went to one Sugar Bowl that he should not have gone to. We definitely should have gone to that Sugar Bowl in 2012. They kind of uh, benefited from not winning the SEC East, and we got punished for winning the SEC East and losing to Alabama in an epic game. One of the worst experiences of my life, losing that game. That, I thought I died. Anyway, uh, Will Muschamp, Kurt. So do you believe Will Muschamp is the coach to get that South Carolina program back to a consistent winning level like they were under Spurrier? Honestly, I don't. I think – well, I think he's going to really improve South Carolina. I don't think them being at the consistent level they were at, really just based on the fact of um, what other coaches are doing now in the SEC com- – and I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, Spurrier kind of always had an edge about him. He did. Um, yeah, Spurrier always had the edge. I mean, Spurrier is one of the, I mean, I don't want to give him a guy much credit, but, I mean, he's an all-time great coach. He really is. I mean, he, Spurrier, one thing that he really did was he changed – he would change a lot of things with his offense. Yeah. I mean, Spurrier was great. I mean, like, as much as I hate the guy, he, Florida, he created Florida football. That program was cr- – Nothing. They were absolutely nothing before he got there. As far as Florida fans are con- are concerned, Florida football started when Steve Spurrier took that job. And obviously, look at them now. Uh, South Carolina, same thing. South Carolina is one of the worst programs in the history. Like they're terrible. They they were a perennial loser. Uh, they had a losing record for their program in their football history before Steve Spurrier got there. And then look what he did with a a cellar dweller traditionally in the SEC, a team that's never won a conference title, never won a conference title. Um, in the history of the school, they have not won an SEC title. So, I mean, he's a great coach. And Muschamp, 
okay, he's clearly not Steve Spurrier. But I, I might disagree with you a little bit. I think that he's a, I think he's going to do a good job. I think he did a great job last year. What he did with that team last year, getting that that team to a bowl game with as little talent as they had across the board and the young quarterback situation, you lose your best defender before the season, Sky Moore, getting to the bowl game, I thought that was probably the best coaching job he's ever done. I mean, that, I mean, six and six doesn't look great, or six and seven, I guess, is what they ended up. But getting them to a bowl game is a huge deal. Here's why I disagree with you just a little bit. All right, let's go back to Florida. People look at Will Musham and say like he sucked at Florida; they were terrible. He got fired from there. He's not any good. That's a terrible hire for South Carolina. And then people laughed at. It. And I'll be honest; I was one of those guys. I was like, "You hired Will Muschamp." I was one of those guys at first. I wasn't sold at first, but in retrospect, the more I think about it, I think it was a pretty good hire for them. So let's go back and look at Florida. What was the issue? What got him fired at Florida? Offense. No doubt. Their offensive issues, that's what sunk him, clearly. In his four years at Florida, they finished 105th, 104th, 115th, and in his last year, they jumped up to 96th nationally in total offense. That's what got him fired. Their defense was number 8 one year, number 8, number 5, and number 11 one year. Uh, or, I'm sorry, number 16. They, see, I, the one thing I have to say though is you talk about all those numbers, and I think I do agree that you know it was really good. But I think one of the biggest differences it's a lot easier to recruit at a school like Florida, absolutely. Carolina. But look at what he's look. He's not going to recruit at South Carolina. He will not recruit at the level that he recruited at at Florida. Oh, but what he has to do is recruit better than South Carolina traditionally does, and I think he's yeah, doing that right now. Fair. Right? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's doing that right now. He's getting guys that we want, which. South Carolina historically very rarely takes guys that we from us that we truly want. Yeah, they're coming to Georgia to get some guys because Georgia's a great town producing state. We all know that. We can't take everybody. When it, but when it comes to head-to-head against South Carolina for Georgia guys, very rarely do we lose those guys. Well, we lose Jemias Williams last year. Now, there are some extenuating circumstances there. His family's from Athens, spent a lot of time in Athens. He kind of just wanted to get away. But still, we wanted him, and we lost him. Uh, Kinsley Inubari. You and I were talking about this before this show. A guy that I thought we had locked up in this year's recruiting class, but just randomly all of a sudden a couple weeks ago commits to South Carolina. That's a guy that we were kind of counting on as part of our defensive line uh, recruitment this year. So he's recruiting not at a, like he was at Florida, but compared to what South Carolina does traditionally, he's recruiting at a much higher level for them. And that's for them to get back to being a consistent winning program, I'm not talking about a, a title-contending program, just a winning program, which for them is saying something. I think he's a guy that can do that for them. Because we know he can coach defense. We know he can recruit. He's, he's shown that everywhere he's gone. The problem for him at Florida was offense. And uh, I think he might have an answer to that this, in South Carolina. Because, yeah, offense was the problem. But in particular, what was it offensively that, that was holding them back? It was quarterback play, right? They, they just yeah. – yeah, they just missed – I mean, Jeff Driscoll they thought was going to be there. It wasn't. They just missed at quarterback. I think they have a guy right now. I think Jake Bentley is a good quarterback. I mean, he is a good quarterback. And if if he can fix the – if their offense can just be okay with the kind of guys that he's going to bring in defensively and, and the coach he is, I think they're going to be a thorn in our side. They're not going to win titles necessarily, but they're going to be a, a solid program. And that sucks because I hate them. And they should just be terrible every year. If I had my way, that'd be the case. But I think they might – kind of see some light under him and they're investing more in their program they got some new facilities coming on board here and they've already opened up recently so uh yeah i think he's gonna do a pretty good job not a, not a superb job but at least a pretty good job better than what i thought initially when they hired him all right let's move into some uh, actual offensive football talk here so 
offensively, they they if you look at their numbers from last year, they were not good at all. Um, they they were hundred in the nation in most of the major categories out there. But Kerr, that that was last year, and there's things you can learn from last year. But let me just throw this question at you: How much or will? First off, will their offense be improved in 2017? And if so, how much do you expect them to improve off, improve offensively? Um, I think you're definitely going to see them improve, but how much is, I think, the real question. Um, you know, the biggest thing is, yeah, they've got some playmakers returning, um, but it really depends on how they develop. And at the same time, you know, um, they have some good receivers in, you know, Debo Samuels and Edwards, I believe it is. Yeah, uh, right now we're just but, other than that, I mean, they've got those two guys. I think Jake Bentley is going to continue to improve. And I, but the one thing that is that you know is their running back situation. They've got two running backs in AJ Turner and Rico Dowell. And the thing about them though is that, to be honest, neither of them are starters on a lot of other teams. On on, 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 on what, yeah, on, they wouldn't start for us. Uh, they wouldn't start for Alabama. They'd start on on they start on about half the teams in the SEC probably. Yeah, I mean, right, about half. Maybe one of them. <clears throat> well, okay, you're right. You're right. Dowdell. I don't think Turner would. Dowdell. I think would. Dowdell. However you say his name. Dowdell. Dowdell. We'll go Dowdell. Uh, yeah, I think you're right on that front. Uh, I, I think that's the only weak part of their uh, going through their skill players. You know, I'm against the offense later on uh, the offensive line. Yeah, but um, I, I definitely think that about them. Though. I think they're. I think it's hard pressed to say that they. I mean, it, especially any team. I mean, you're looking at, throughout the SEC East, especially most of these offenses, except given maybe Tennessee, should be improved because they had a lot of young guys. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, they're going to improve offensively. There's there's zero doubt in my mind. You're right. I I, I agree with you. The question is going to be not will they improve, but how much because. Listen to some of these numbers from last year. They were 118th nationally in points per game. They only scored 18 points a game last year. They were 120th nationally in yards per game. 120th in points per play. Uh, They were 115th in yards per play. They were 126th in red zone scoring percentage. 119th in third down conversion. This was an absolutely atrociously abysmal, dreadful offense last year. They were awful. There's, I mean... There's really, truly, I mean, I know it's a cliche thing to say. There's really not much, nowhere else really to go except up from where they were last year. And here's the big thing for me. It's all about the quarterback. It's about Jake Bentley. He is now established as their starter. He started the last seven games of the year for them last year. Here's a a stat for you guys. Before Bentley became the the full-time starter for them, in the first six games of the year, they averaged just a hair over 300 yards a game, 304 yards a game. Once Bentley, as a true freshman, was inserted as the starter against Massachusetts the week after we played them, their offense then jumped up to 384 yards a game. Still not stellar, One thing I do have to better. mention, though, is the fact that this also coincides with about the return of Debo Samuels, who missed true. most of the first half. True, and Brian Edwards missed some, too, as a true freshman. He missed some time as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's other factors. Clearly, it's not but, just I mean, Jake I think Bentley. they got an influx of, you know, return with the – they had some returning guys with Jake Bentley that kind of just 
best well. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's very that's very fair. And and also to be fair, uh, when Bentley gets in there again, his first game as a starter was against Massachusetts. Then they played they played Tennessee, which by that time their entire defense had died. Basically, they had no players, they had nobody. Uh, they had Derek Barnett. That was about it at that point. So they carved them up. But that's a Tennessee defense that gave up over 600 yards to Vanderbilt's offense last year. Then they uh, play Missouri, who was one of the worst defenses in the league last year. I think actually the worst defense statistically in the league last year. So there were some bad teams or bad defensive football teams they played last year. They were that could have factored into that as well. But still, I don't think you can completely ignore the fact that when Jay Bentley became the full time starter, it at least ignited their offense to some degree, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the statistics wise, though, I mean. Other than the bowl game, he did not throw for over 260 yards in one game. I'm going to pull this up, South Carolina game log. Uh, yeah, he didn't Well, he didn't put up huge numbers, but he was efficient. For a true yes, freshman, he I was agree. efficient. I mean, he did enough to improve where they had been lacking. Yeah, he uh, – I, I actually – I think he's a really good quarterback. I don't – and we've, we had we did a whole show on the Jake Bentley versus Jake Eason thing where, you know, McElroy was talking about how Bentley – was better than Easton. And, and look, if you want to say that he's better, I mean, look at the stats. Yes, Bentley had a better year than Easton, even though it was only half a year. But you got to put some context to that, okay? The the system that Bentley was operating in South Carolina was very similar to what he had done in high school. It's almost like a very very much a plug-and-play scenario for him. He's like, he was very comfortable, very familiar with that system. Whereas Easton was learning a system that was entirely foreign to him, much more complex, much uh, more... Uh, much more vertical in the passing and play action, take shots down the field. Not as many high percentage throws that that uh, Bentley was getting. So yeah, he had better numbers and he was probably he was more accurate last year. Let's just be real; he was he's more accurate in the deep ball. We know that. But go, projecting down the road, are you still saying, Kurt, that you would take Easton over Bentley projecting forward the next year or two? Projecting forward, I do. I think. Um... I think the biggest thing is I think all around Georgia has improved their weapons in every aspect of their offense. But just about just Eason and Bentley, do you think Eason and two like let's say by the time they're juniors, who will be the better quarterback when they're juniors? When they come juniors, I say Eason. I think he's going to be that's his money year. I mean, nothing against Bentley. I think Bentley may make he's going to be a solid college quarterback, and he might make the pros. But I think Eason's going to be reaching for that top draft spot. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I- I'm with you on that. But to- and that's not me just being a homer. I mean, if you look at it, he's going to be working towards trying to a first round, if not for the first quarterback taking off, taking off the you know the board that yeah. year. Yeah, absolutely. But pulling up the numbers that you – thank you for bringing that up, Curtis. Good point. Um, so against Massachusetts, he threw for 201 yards. This is Bentley we're talking about. Tennessee threw for 167. Missouri, 254. They were terrible defensively. Florida, 213, but he was very low percentage there, 54% completion percentage. Western Carolina threw for 166, but he didn't play the entire game. Clemson, 107. South Florida, 390. Against Clemson, he was also a 48% patch. So against the two really good defenses he played down the road – are down the stretch there, Florida and Clemson, both on the road. Those were his two worst performances, and that's probably not all that surprising. But it shows you that, okay, yeah, he put up some really big numbers, he has some really bad defense, or some good numbers, he has some really bad defense, but against the better competition, was he that stellar? Uh, doesn't look that way. He had a good game against South Florida in the bowl game, but South Florida, you know, they're a group of five teams. But he did throw for 390 in that game. I think he's a good player, and I think he's he's the best quarterback they've had there in a while. I think he at least bring, he's going to bring them stability at that position, if nothing more. 
But I do think he's a very good quarterback, and I think he's going to make this offense a better football team. But you're right in saying they have a lot of skill talent around him, a ton of weapons. You got you mentioned Brian Edwards, you got Hayden Hurst, a tight end who I, you guys, if you listen to the show, you know I'm high on him. I think he's a very good tight end. I think, I think he right now, at least based on what I saw last year. I think he's the best tight end in the league. We'll see what happens this year. We'll see if guys like Isaac Naughton and Charlie Warren take a step forward. But based on production last year, I think Hayden Hurst was the best tight end in the league. He reminds me a lot of a Jeremy Shockey type guy. Not quite as big as Jeremy Shockey, but just watching him play, he moves like Jeremy Shockey used to Miami with the New York Giants. And you mentioned uh, Dowdell. Uh, of course, you got Debo Samuel. And A.J. Turner is going to back up Rico Dowdell this year. Kind of reminds me of Joe Mixon. He's more of that all-purpose type guy. He can use him in the passing game. He, he moves like... Joe Mixon as well. So they've got a lot of weapons at skill position. But now I want to get to the offensive line. You mentioned yeah, that you were going to talk to. Yeah. to. Talk to me about the offensive line they've got. All right. Well, coming back from 20 – in 2016, they were 111th in adjusted line yards and 116th in adjusted sack rate. Yep. So they're pretty terrible. I mean, we have no, not much room to talk, but they were just in the same – in the same they were worse. They were worse than us. And, th- and that's saying something compared to most Georgia fans that realize how bad we were. And by the way, dude, kudos on those, the stats there, man, going deep. The advanced stats. Yeah, you're right. I have the exact same stat here. 116th national adjusted sack rate. And guys, and that's much more accurate than just saying sacks allowed. Because adjusted sack rate, it, what it does is it adjusts for attempts. How many times you actually throw in the football. Uh, so being 116th nationally in that is uh, that's abysmal. That's terrible. Uh, and then throw another one at you. So that's the pass game and protecting the passer. In the run game, they were no better. They were 103rd nationally in stuff rate, uh, which means how many, how often are you shocked at or behind line of scrimmage on your run plays? And they were actually stuffed 21% of the times. One out of every five times during the football, they were stopped either at or behind line of scrimmage. Again, that's just that's that's god awful. It's terrible. Um, just a terrible offensive line. Do you think – are they going to take a step forward? We're talking about the rest of the offense ready to take a step they forward. take one step forward. Um, you know, one big thing is they're talking about uh, the starting left guard has moved to right tackle. Yeah. Um, well, and, and you see that a lot. A Juco, a Juco transfer in, but you don't – I mean, how many times do Juco kids really come in and actually work out right away? Rarely. I mean, we've got a guy right now um, – that we're hoping we'll be able to jump in at some point, but uh, we'll see. I mean, Demarcus Hayes, I just don't know if he will be able to. I mean, we, we experienced that too. It's not just them, but you're right. Like, okay, is, let's say, is it fair to say that they're going to improve on the offensive line, but can you expect them in one year to make that dramatic of an if, improvement? If anything, I'll expect them to be maybe improved to the 90 range for yeah. all those categories. Yeah. And could you say the same thing about our offensive line as well, though, on the flip side? I think you may see a little bit better jump. Because they didn't, it's not like they've got new players. Right. They have, um, they have eight guys start at least one game, and almost and seven of them are back as juniors and seniors. So it's right. not like they have new guys that are really coming in that's going to change what they have. Where that's the case for us, we're bringing in new players that are going to change more of what we want. That's definitely the difference. We have an influx of new talent, highly recruited. They're young guys, but they're much more talented guys than we've had on the roster in the past several years. And uh, they'll make some mistakes here in terms of assignments and blown and blownish in and blown assignments on the line, and there'll be some miscommunications here and there. But in terms of just talent, we have that influx of talent. Whereas you, know, like you said, they have a lot of the same guys back, and uh, they'll probably yeah, take we, a small step forward. A great recruiting class at just that position, and right. they did. Yeah, absolutely. So 
that line is going to hold them back. I, I and you can and look. We know this, guys. Think about all this. We, for years, we've recruited so well at skill positions, but we've recruited just maybe adequately on the offensive defensive lines. And we've won games, but we won, we haven't won big. We haven't won like we should be winning. You have in this league, and really in any league, you have to be good in the trenches. That's that's tried and true. You have to be, and they're just not. They're not good. They have the skill players, but they're they don't have the talent up front. And that's I think that's going to handicap a lot of that skill talent. I really do. I think Bentley might be running for his life half the year, and I know he's somewhat mobile, but he's not that mobile. He's not that kind of guy that's going to be able to get away from every bit of pressure that comes in his face. All right, let's move into the question here that I know if you're a Georgia fan, you're probably most interested in. How does our defense, based on what we know right now, how do we look to match up with them coming into the season? Um, I actually think it's gonna we're gonna match up really well because I think our front seven is gonna be one of the best in the SEC, um, and I think that's where we're gonna match up with them really well because their their offensive line is gonna have a lot of trouble with our guys. Um, I think their wide receivers um, are gonna give our guys some trouble, especially our tight end. But one thing I, that helps always. Is when you have some, even though as good as Hayden Hurst is, um, it helps to have someone like a Roquan or someone who at least matches up better with those special hybrid tight ends like that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, but as good as Roquan is, and he is, I mean, Roquan's preseason well, you know, All I mean, SEC, Hayes but is, or Hurst is that good, but uh, Roquan's the type of guy that can at least slow him down compared to if you had someone like Nate Trez trying to cover him yeah. Uh, going out. Yeah, I mean, if there's if there's any linebacker in the league that I would feel comfortable with. Covering him is maybe maybe besides Shondi on Hamilton, Alabama, is probably Roquan with his athleticism and ability to run side on the sideline and kind of match up with him to a degree. Purse is a big dude, big, fast, athletic dude, man. But uh, yeah, I like I you're like in my head here, man. That's I just pretty much would echo everything that you just said. I really think our front seven against that offensive line will be the biggest mismatch anywhere on the field. I know this game's not until November, but once it rolls around, I don't think it's going to change that much. I think that's going to be a huge mismatch. And I think that's going to give us the advantage in this game. I really like what we're bringing back up front. We've talked about that already. I think Trent is ready. I think Thompson is poised to become that dominant force consistently. I, I do. I think he's poised to take that next up and become a consistently disruptive force for us that we haven't had in years. And if he's able to do that and you match him with guys like Ledbetter and David Marshall and Tyler Clark and Mikhail Carter and uh, John Atkins, if you match him up with those kind of guys – there's no way their offensive line is gonna be able to handle us consistently. Just there's just no way. And if we can if we can stop the run, then uh, that gives an opportunity to really get after the passer and obviously in, in third down passes obvious third down passing situations and really kind of disrupt what they want to do offensively. Um, yeah, and we have got we got great depth. You mentioned Roquan and Natrez too, man. Like we just can't sleep on it. As good as Roquan is, I've been watching a lot of tape. You guys know this summer. And Natrez just did. He keeps standing out, man. He keeps flashing at me. This guy can and play. One thing that we're hearing about that you're going to see a lot out of Natrez is the fact that it's being said that you're going to see him uh, in, in yep. you know, some rushing situations. Yep, no and people, I don't know if you remember, but uh, he was recruited as an outside linebacker. Absolutely. He, yeah, he was. He, he was a Russian. He was essentially that hybrid outside linebacker pass rusher. And uh, we made the move to inside linebacker, which I wasn't 100% sure what, what, how that would work at first, but obviously it's paid off. It's a great move. These guys know a lot more about all this stuff than I do, so kudos Jeremy Pruitt for making that move. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I can, I can tell you my own two eyes I saw that at the first scrimmage uh, of the spring. I know that was back in the spring. He was doing that a lot, especially when they were going in the two-minute drills, when uh, the ones were going against the ones. He was doing that quite a bit. So I think that he might find himself on the field a little bit more in some of those third down situations. Most of the time, last year, actually almost all the time, we went to our dime package, he was off the field. In a lot of situations, we went to our nickel package, he was off the field. 
Uh, I'll just say, I'll say this too. I I don't want to I don't want to hate on Reggie Carter, but he does not need to see the field as much. Natrez needs to stay on the field as much as possible. Uh, I know there's I know we, we're package driven. I get that, but the guy can play. I mean, Roquan is awesome, and Natrez is a baller too. Uh, but I mean, look, I, I I am concerned like you are about Brian Edwards and Hayden Hurst out there with their size. Those are big dudes. Hayden Hurst is six five. Edwards is six three. I mean, both these guys had about six hundred yards receiving last year, and that that and we you talk about this a lot, especially a guy like Malcolm Parrish. Um, that that combination of size and athleticism against a guy like Malcolm Parrish out there that's that's concerning. That is concerning. But if we're able to control the line of scrimmage and get after Hurst and keep him. Uh, from getting comfortable in the pocket, I think that can make the difference for us. But uh, I, I do think I, I would give our defense the edge here in this matchup, right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's flip over to the defense side of the football here for the Gamecocks. Uh, I'll ask you a lot of the same questions. Their defense, uh, like the offense, wasn't great. Their defense was better than they were offensively last year. They were 43rd nationally in opponent points per game. They were 61st nationally in yards per game allowed. Uh, they were 54th nationally in uh, yards per play, and then they were 98th, or I'm sorry, 87th in opponent third down conversion. So they were, they were okay. They were decent, much better than they were offensively. But Kurt, looking at what they have coming back this year, will that defense be improved in 2017? And if you think so, how much? I actually think they're going to take a step back. Ah, all right, explain yourself, sir. Um, well, first off, last year they're 97th. 92nd in the nation in sacks last year with 21. Yes. And yes. first off, I'm going to say that's going to get worse. Their best sack guy, Darius English, who had nine sacks last year, is gone. Yeah, he played they the have, buck position for them, which is traditionally Will Muschamp's prominent pass rusher. Preeminent pass yeah, rusher. Yeah, and I, I don't see it getting any better this year at that position. Um, and I think another big thing that's going to hurt them is the fact that their front seven is pretty weak, even with uh, Sky Moore, I believe it is, coming yeah. back. Um they have, their, their defense line is very weak. I mean, as the season went on last year, teams were running at will on them. I'm and, glad you um, brought that up. I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. I just, I just want to add on to that point. You're, Kurt, yeah. you are 100% right about that defensive line. Okay, uh, give me one word to describe our offensive line last year. A joke. Thank you. Well, I think that's two words, but I'll go with it. Uh, joke. An, an absolute joke. Uh, I don't know if you... Uh, remember much about that game. I mean, that was the weird game where it played on Sunday. It was weird. My wife and I kind of had a good time in Columbia because we didn't actually end up playing on Saturday. We kind of just hung out in Columbia and then had the game on Sunday. But uh, we, as bad as we were, as much of a joke as our offensive line was last year, we absolutely manhandled South Carolina's defense in front last year. I, I, I've been watching that game uh, over the past couple nights, actually, preparing for this show. We absolutely destroyed them. We got more movement against that South Carolina defensive front by far than any other team all year long. They they could not do anything against our front. Absolutely could do nothing. So if our offensive line last year, which as you said, and I agree, was a joke, was able to dominate, completely dominate that South Carolina defense or that front, and a lot of those guys are returning. Stallworth's returning. Uh, Dante Sawyer's returning. Wanham's returning. A lot of those same guys are back outside of Kelsey Griffin. He's gone. Sucks for him. Um, but really, are, how much of those guys going to improve this year? Are they going to be able to control our offensive line this year? I just don't see it. No, not at all. There's just no way. They're not going to make that much of a jump in one year. And as, and we should, we should hopefully, maybe, we'll see, be better up front. If we controlled their their front last year, the same thing should happen again this year. All right, proceed. Sorry, let me cut you off. That was a great point. Um, well, you know, their defensive backs were all right. You know, they have their – 
they lost a couple guys, so they're going to be very, very thin. Not only in the defensive backs, but at the linebacker position, even with the you know return of Sky Moore, they're going to have three decent linebackers, but no depth behind them, um, which is going to be very uh, dangerous for them. Especially, you know, we see how important it is to rotate these guys. Um, I think their DBs are going to be what they're going to rely on, but at the same time, I don't. They're not shut down defensive backs like you know, like what Florida has or something. Yeah, man. I mean, you're spot on with this stuff today, dude. You're killing it. Um, that's exactly what I have. Like, if if they, I I'm not sure they have a strength on this defense. I would like if you watch them, it's like asking what was what's the strength of this South Carolina defense. I think that's a tough question because I don't think they're going to be particularly strong anywhere. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I think I think you're right in saying the secondary might be if there was a point of strength on this defense. That's probably it. But that's not saying much. It's, I don't think they have a ton of talent on this defense. Uh, they got two senior cornerbacks, and Chris uh, Lammons and Jamarcus King both had three interceptions. Uh, they were top fifty in pass yards per game, twenty seventh nationally in opponent pass or opponent pass yards a game. Um, so I don't. Uh, I think they'll. I think they'll be okay in, in the secondary, but they're like you said, they're not dominant. Like they don't have a shutdown guy back there. They have some guys that are pretty good, but they're not dominant. So, and you mentioned Sky Moore. I think that's a big, a big. Uh, that's that's a, a, getting him back is huge for them this year. He uh, was he led them in tackles his first three seasons as a freshman, as a sophomore, as a junior. Got hurt, he had a neck injury early in the preseason last year. Missed all of last year. He's back. He should probably be back to form. He's a really good player. Do you see him as a difference maker for this team, though? Not really. No. Yeah, I, I don't. I think he's a good player. But see, the problem for this team is, like I said. Uh, like you mentioned, was is that that front stopping the run, and they they have trouble with that. And Sky Moore is not that kind of guy. Uh, he's no. he's not a huge downhill type lineman. He's more of a Roquan Smith sideline to sideline type type player. So I don't know how much of a difference he's going to make in 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 stopping an opponent's run game. I just don't know if he's going to make that much of a difference. So and that's where they really need to improve dramatically. So this is a defense that I I'm really I'm not all that high on. I think they'll make a big step offensively this year. I do. I think they'll make a pretty big step. But defensively, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if they're going to be that much better, even with Will Muschamp as your as your head coach with his defensive background. And just real quick here to throw a couple more, just to give you a, a couple more statistics, bits of statistical evidence to illustrate how bad their defensive front was last year. They were 93rd nationally in havoc rate. Havoc rate is exactly what it sounds like. How much? How disruptive are you? Uh, it adds sacks, uh, tackles for loss, and also passes defended. They were 93rd nationally. That terrible. Uh, Kurt mentioned what they were in sack rate, uh, 95th in success rate, which is basically how many successful plays you give up for offenses. And successful plays is defined by getting 50% of, of, of uh, needed yards on first down, 70% needed yards on second down, and then getting 100% of the needed yards on third down. They were 95th in the nation in that, which is, again, terrible. Uh, all right, let's flip it uh, to the Georgia stuff here. Looking at our offense this year, how do we look to match up with this South Carolina defense? I think we honestly match up with them very well. We talked about how we were able to run all over them with our terrible offensive line last year, so I think you're going to see it improve this year. And at the same time, you know, they don't really have any pass rushers, which is going to help our offense, uh, our uh, passing game at the same time, I believe. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, look, our offense, we all know, was a train wreck last year. It was it was terrible, but I, and we've talked about this a lot. We'll definitely preview it more as the season approaches. I think we're going to be much improved offensively this year. And maybe that's wishful thinking. Could be. Um, but I think we have a lot of signs. Uh, Easton come back in his second year. I think we have a lot of talent at wide receiver. I know that we don't have proven talent there, but we have some talent. Uh, like our, we have it tight end. Obviously, the running backs are fantastic. We have some guys on the offensive line that I think could could be an upgrade over what we had last year. I think we'll be better. 
Uh, especially, you know, in year two under Jim Chaney. Everybody's a little more comfortable. Uh, I think we should be able to run the ball relatively at will, even with the return of Sky Moore. I, I really do. Uh, and like, like I mentioned, and guys, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I've watched all these games multiple times from last year. Our offensive line absolutely 1,000% got more movement in that game than any other single game last year. And I don't, and they have a lot of those same guys back. I just I don't see that changing all that much this year. Uh, and, of course, as it typically works in football, if we can do that, if we can run the ball at will, obviously that's going to open up opportunities for us to tack through the air, particularly the middle of the field, which I think is vulnerable, will be vulnerable against this team. Uh, their safeties are only okay. DJ Smith and, and Rashad Fitton in the nickel position. Uh, I think we can attack those guys. I look for our tight ends have a big game. Uh, hopefully, we should. I think we'll be at that middle of the field will be an area we can definitely attack. So I think we match up well offensively and defensively, which then brings us into the last question here, Kurt. Uh, obviously, this is insanely early because we play them oddly, very late in the season, actually after Florida. Uh, I know this is a weird situation, right? We talked about how this could be potentially a trap game right after Florida, right before Auburn, kind of sandwiched in between those two. It's a home game. But it has the potential to possibly be a track, especially when you factor in how South Carolina views us. We are their top rival in the SEC, hands down, bar none, just the way it is. And for us, they're like number, what, four or five, somewhere down there. It's just it's a much bigger game traditionally for them than it is for our guys. Uh, but try your best, Kurt, right now on August the 2nd when we're recording this. Give me a, a way too early prediction for this game. I'm going to go win 31-17. 31 to 17. 14 points. That sounds about right. I, I, I can roll with that. Look, I think this is going to be an improved South Carolina team in terms of talent and experience. Uh, I think they're going to be better than they were a year ago, but I'm not sure that's going to translate to many more wins for them. If you look at their schedule, like getting six wins. Even though yeah, I think I mean, getting... That's one thing actually I want to point out real quick before we talk about yeah. the schedule. Most places, if you look at the statistics, they're favored in only five out of 11 games. Yeah, and that's not surprising. I mean, looking at their schedule, I think there's only – if I was doing the, the handicapping, there's only three games I would look at in their schedule and say, yeah, they're going to win the game. And I, and, I, and I have to say, those five, I honestly question – most of it gives them around a 60% chance to beat Arkansas. No, I what? don't see that. A 60%? Yeah. What? I mean, it's a home game, but – I mean, I don't think Arkansas is going to be great this year, but 60% I, – I see that as a toss-up game. And maybe that's yeah. close to toss-up, but – I see that completely. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're going to be they're going to be hard pressed to get to six again this year. I agree, and it's weird. It's one of those situations where I do I think they have more talent. I think they'll be better, but they have in my book they got three sure wins. They got Louisiana Tech at home, Wofford, and I'm, I'm giving them the Vandy game as a win. Uh, I think they got four what should be losses. Of course, they got Clemson. They've got us. They got Florida, and uh, they, I, I'm I'm talking them NC State as well. I think NC State can be a sleeper team this year. NC State's got a great defensive front. And that's a bad matchup for South Carolina. I think they'll harass. Uh, Bentley all game long. So I'm, I'm giving them a loss there. And they got five toss-up games. It's going to determine if they get back to a bowl game. They got at Missouri, which I'm telling you guys, I'm, I think Missouri's going to be significantly improved this year. I really do. They're the best offensive league last year. I think they're going to make some improvements defensively, kind of come back to the middle of the, of, the, of the SEC where they typically reside. They got Kentucky at home. Kentucky should be pretty solid. At A&M, I mean, I don't know how good a and is going to be this year. We'll see. They got a new quarterback coming in, but... That's at that's on the road in College Station, a, a pretty raucous environment. You got Arkansas at home, like you mentioned, and at Tennessee. So they're gonna have to win three of those games or win two of them and, and upset somebody along the way to get to six wins. And I don't know how likely that is. I just don't. Maybe uh, it, it's possible, but it's gonna be an uphill battle for this team to get back to six and six and get back to a bowl game. But I'm with you, man. I think we win this football game. Uh, I don't think you know with the must champ factor. I don't think Kirby doesn't let our guys. 
uh, overlook this game. And hopefully we have the leadership with, with Chubb, Michelle, Roquan Smith, some of those guys. That and uh, I, Let's not forget Isaiah Wynn, Jeb Blazevich, those guys. Well, I don't think they're going to let us overlook this game. At least I hope not. Um, but I'm pretty calm. You guys don't like to actually give scores and that kind of thing. Is it just some superstitious? I don't want to jinx anybody. But I'd put this as a, a solid 7 on my confidence meter. 1 out of 10. I feel pretty confident. At least right now. We'll see how the season goes. All right, guys. Well, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Definitely excited about the open practice coming up this Saturday. Hopefully the rain will hold off. Um, and if it does, we will bring you um, all the coverage that you guys want from that open practice. We'll uh, definitely fill you in. If you don't get a chance to make it, we'll have a show for you guys early next week, kind of breaking down what we saw. But uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Curtis, you got anything else for us, man? No. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you guys listening in. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>